and welcome to the Deep 2 NBA podcast. My name's Sean and joining me as always on this beautiful day is the one and only Dante Boffa. Mr. Boffa, my man, how are we? So good. It's such a nice day. It's just, I was preparing for this week to be so cloudy, so rainy and here we are. It's fantastic. Lovely. Uh, What are we talking about today? So today we're running through our 2020 NBA award predictions um, and as we are wont to do on this podcast, going to give three bold predictions for the <laughs> upcoming season. This hey. is the time when we need to um, have these saved and recorded for oh yeah, minus a, year's, a year's time when we got it so wrong. No, nah, no, nah, we'll get it right. We'll get it right. Maybe my Mario Hazonia most improved pick isn't going to look so good in eight months. Did you actually do that? No, nah, I didn't actually Fuck. do it. But. Well, you had like one good preseason game. Um, just a bit of a spoiler, I'm picking the same MVP that I've picked for the last three years. Wow. Yep. Um, and Damian this, Lillard for this, the MVP. <laughs> again. No, this is the year. This is actually, this is honestly the third year I've picked him. Um, the first one was just like amongst mates. And then, So does this mean that he's never won an MVP? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Derek. Derek Rose. No, it's not Derek Rose. He won an MVP. <laughs> uh, let's get into it. I will, you know, I'll just say I've picked Kawhi Leonard to win MVP. Yeah. Um, mostly because obviously there's been health concerns and with Toronto last season, it was obviously in both teams, in both parties, best interest, Toronto and Kawhi to rest and, you know, play 60 games, take a chill, maybe play 30 minutes, do this and that. But coming into LA, this is... This is the situation he's wanted his whole entire career. You know, we didn't know when he was in San Antonio, but he always wanted to end up in LA. He's finally got his way to LA, and he's come out and he said he's not going to be resting. He's not going to be managing any loads, and and obviously Paul George isn't going to play for at most the first month of the season. And you think coming back from like a serious shoulder injury, he you know he's not going to be himself. So I think Kawhi. This is what he wants. We know he is capable of being the best player in the world. He can take over any game. Um, he just hasn't. He's added pretty much everything to his resume except for an MVP. And I think if he plays, you know, at least seventy, maybe eighty games, if if he isn't going to rest and he stays healthy, I think why not give it to the best player in the whole entire league? I think that's a good call. I struggled to narrow mine down, um, so I picked three people. Kawhi was one <laughs> of the people that I picked. Yeah. He it kind of it's kind of set up really nicely for him for the first like month to six weeks of the season because he will be the undisputed. Not that there's going to be any question about this when Paul George comes back because everyone knows he's better than Paul George. They know it, but he just is going to have more of the volume um, that is necessary to put up the counting stats that are important in the MVP race come mm-hmm. you know April, May when that's being decided. He's in a similar situation to someone else who I've put on my list, which is LeBron James, where for the first month-ish of the season, they're going to be running the show completely on their own without their star teammate. Um, The only difference is, and this is something that I think might end up working against Kawhi, is that because the Clippers are so deep and so well-constructed, they've got, uh, you know, we've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast, but they've got such good and balanced depth throughout the entire Mm -hmm. roster the Lakers don't have that. Mm. So if the Lakers are going to succeed through the first like six weeks of the season, it's going to be exclusively because LeBron James is just awesome, Scorching. which is something when it comes down to narrative, uh, which is always important for an MVP, maybe that's something that factors into 
the media's minds. Well, on the point of good teams, obviously the Warriors have been good teams for the last few years, and that never stops Steph Curry. So, yeah, you're going to have Mo Harkless backing you up, but like that's not going to stop you from being the undisputed best. And Steph only played like 34 minutes in that season where he killed it. Yeah, but I think the difference between this setup and Steph is that Steph was Steph was the Warriors system, like everything were revolved around him. Whereas the Clippers, I'm imagining, are going to play a more traditional. Um, style of offense that's not going to actually have Kawhi as like the primary uh-huh. ball handler. Uh, you know, what we saw with Steph when he was, you know, back to back MVP, first um, unanimous MVP, like he was, you know, like the most singular talent in the entire league and the whole system revolved around him. Whereas this is probably going to be because they've got depth at both guard spots and because Paul George can handle the ball as well. Like it's probably going to be a bit more of an equitable situation for the offense not to say that Kawhi is not going to put up 28 mm. 28 a night and they're probably going to win you know 55 games and defend is, the best player every, yeah every yeah game. exactly so, i mean it's all mvp material who who is your third guy so you got Kawhi, lebron status quo Giannis. Yeah, you can't yeah. not put him on because i'm not convinced that he hasn't stopped getting better like he's mm. only 24 25 so there's no telling what you know, what heights he could still achieve. And he put up a season that was pretty much numbers only matched by prime Shaq, mm. except that Shaq was averaging like 1.2 assists and Giannis is averaging six. And Giannis is obviously fast. And yeah, Giannis, 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 yeah, Giannis is fast. He's, you know, he's got uh, he's got it all. The, mm. the team is still going to be right in the thick of things for the, the first couple of seeds in the East and, you know, making a deep playoff run. So Giannis has got everything. And because he's so likable as well, like it always comes down to with, awards but especially MVP it comes down to narrative at the end of the season because Giannis is so likable there's not going to mm. be any voter fatigue or anything from last year um, yeah no, no one's really going to fall in love with Kawhi and his weird laughs and yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. you see some people when, when Westbrook won the MVP like it kind of came down to a referendum on whether you liked Westbrook's play style or whatever, mm. whether you were like, oh, the triple-doubles mean something or they don't, mm. and it was so divisive. Yeah, like, yeah. Everyone just loves Giannis. Yeah, they just love true. the way he plays. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. he's got and, that And everyone corner. who doesn't vote, vote for Giannis will think, yeah, he's probably the best player. Uh, two other names I've mentioned is one, James Harden. I think you speak of narrative. If like, He's been in the MVP discussion. He's been in the top three since Steph's first mm. MVP. And like... You know, arguably, well, Steph was much better in his second year. That that's a that's a guaranteed. But you know, arguably, he could have won that first one over Steph. He obviously could have won the Russell one. He was a shout this year, um, and this, and this last one. season. Uh, well, he won one as well. But like, he averaged thirty six points. And like, yeah. I think the narrative is for James Harden to win this coming season is he's still explosive. He averages. 35 points, man, I'm hoping because I've got it on my fantasy league. <laughs> um, but he averages 35 points a game, um, but they don't have the mellow Michael Carter-Williams start. And Russ becomes, he says, yep, I'm the second banana. That's that's my MVP right there. And James Harden goes out from the start of the season, averages 35 points a game. They don't have a slow start and they win 60 games. Like You could see James Harden winning if the Rockets win 60 games. 100%. But I just, yeah. If if everything that you said happens, then then that's definitely a shout. But I just it's so dicey with Westbrook, and exactly, I just have exactly. no. And he's surely going to soak up a couple of the touches, and maybe that takes away like four points. Yeah, well, I mean, especially if Westbrook's going to have the ball, yeah, the ball in his hand as well. His, his numbers will be the his numbers will come down for Harden, and presumably, you know, so will the rebound numbers. But so. another thing going for Harden is, as far as I know, all the voters are American based. What do you mean? They're not Chinese. Well, exa- yeah, exactly right. <laughs> exactly um, right. And then the last one, I have to say, Steph Curry. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Obviously, he's going to be the fulcrum, and literally one A, one B, two, and then D'Angelo Russell. That offense, and watching preseason games, like to see him score forty against Mini the other day. Yeah, that was like, it's just he's so the first like, person to score forty in a preseason game since Steph Curry, which is a bit weird. Like, <laughs> anyway, like good on him. But I was also another thing I've seen in preseason is that when Steph Curry is off the court you're left with um, Russell, Draymond, and Looney. And, like, let's say at least one of them will be off the court as well. It's getting really dicey. And there was this lineup there of Russell and, like, Eric Pascal, Alec Burks, like, um, Alfonso McKinney, mm-hmm. your mate Marquise Chris, who yeah. for some reason the team's banded around and said, oh, we love Marquise, like, bring him in. It's like, cool, bring him in, like, you know, maybe the team loves him, but like we've don't, got enough. Yeah, don't bigs. you know he sucks as well? Yeah, like maybe maybe he doesn't suck, but like we just don't need no, a big. He like, does suck. Okay, maybe he, he does, does suck, suck, but we don't need a big. Like you literally, yeah. even if Alfonso McKinney is shit out, like at least he's the size to put him down on your fucking on your sheet that says, "Yep, he's a small forward." Yeah. Like you can't. There is like take away take away one of the wings. Like you're getting really dicey, and like there could be a trade that happens like. November, uh, December, though. Oh, better. Hit better. I really want Robert, if it comes Robert, clear, Robert if it, Covington. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you know. <laughs> if I think if you trade for Covington, this was a trade that you mentioned yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago on the pod, but you have to give out Russell in that. Yeah. Which means things aren't going well in December if that's the trade. Well, what if what if the Warriors' ownership? Well, it can't happen until December fifteen. But yeah. what if the Warriors' ownership knew this was going to happen? Because when they when they signed Russell, it wasn't like oh we we want Russell. It's fuck KD's gone. It was like get the asset. Yeah, just grab everything that's falling. This guy's falling. So I you know you could definitely obviously they're saying the right things. They're saying yeah we're here for Russell. Russell's a warrior. Bullshit. Bullshit. But that could all <laughs> that could all just be smoke and mirrors because that was literally their only option to just scrounge value. And now they've got the value. Maybe it's always been in their head to flip him. And so it might not necessarily mean that things are going bad. But yes, you're right. If they're 10 and 0, they're not going to turn around and trade him. Yeah. But if they're 10 and 0, I will eat my own shit on air. <laughs> Let's, this is, so I said at the start, this is the podcast to record things and remember can I, that we said it. Can I just bring up one? Uh, Nate Duncan had a tweet during that game. Um, and it was in the second half. He counted all the winning or good players that tra- Travion. Travion Graham. Travion Graham. Um, that he made. Mm. And it was literally, he made more winning or just more plays than the whole entire Warriors wing roster. Yeah. And the thing that kills me is that Graham was on the Warriors roster when yeah. they, and they traded for Russell. But yeah. then they had to flip him to, see, they didn't have to flip him because they ended up getting rid of him, just signing minimum guys. If they had just kept this dude with more upside than McKinney, Burks, Glenn Robb or Jacob Evans and maybe got rid of one of them. But that's just me ranting. Yeah. Well, I mean, all of the three people that you mentioned, we kind of know what they are, and they're either okay or bad, except Evans. Like, Evans is kind of... He's a maybe. He's a maybe. And then Jordan Poole, who was a first-round pick. And he's also a maybe just because he hasn't played. Yeah, he hasn't played. So, yeah. And and he doesn't... Yeah. He's definitely not the Iguodala type that (laughs) held the team together. He's... No, he's more... Yeah. yeah. Anyway... My MVP is quite learned. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not going to offer a singular choice because I feel like it's so wide open. Just just cop out. Just cop out and say Giannis. Just, nah. Can I just say Giannis? Nah, no I'm one's going to no blame you. I'm not saying it. Just say Devin Booker. <laughs> you know I wanted to. All right. Uh, rookie of the year. Do you want to say it at the same time? Yeah. Three, two, one. Zion, Zion. Williams. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I expected a cheeky Cam, Cam Johnson. Um, oh, yeah. no. I was actually talking about... Um, 
Cam Johnson the other day. Anyway, brings me I such mixed feelings. Mm. I really want him to be really good for both my sentimental sake because, you know, I watched him for two years in college mm. and for my team's sake and everything just it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Anyway, he can shoot threes really well. Well, so. what's he been, I, I'm, I haven't seen a single Phoenix game or highlight of Phoenix. What are, what's he been doing in preseason? Just spotting up. There's not a lot of ball movement. But I'll tell you what, just on, whilst we're on the topic of this, so I was watching the Portland-Phoenix game. And we played really well. We scored. We hit twenty four threes. Yeah, I saw. Um, none of our three best players played. Like, um, yeah, Booker, Aiden didn't play. Rubio didn't play. So it was pretty much like Ubre and Mikael Bridges <laughs> running the show. But I just want to give a quick shout out to my boy CJ McCollum. He's just so good. Every time CJ McCollum gets into the mid range, I'm just like edge of my seat, like wanting to know what happens next. Like, is he going to pull up for a smooth J? Is he going to step through into a little floater? I don't know, but I know what's going in, and I'm excited. Anyway. Just a little aside. I thought you were actually going to talk about Mikael Bridges, but no, there's Mikhail, nothing to... <laughs> no, nah, wait, till, wait till we do the um, Phoenix Sun season preview whole episode pod, and then I'll talk about Mikael Bridges for 10 minutes. Yeah, I don't know when that one is. <laughs> uh, well, look, I think everyone knows the argument for Zion here. Um, he fits the bill for a typical rookie of the year. He's a big man. He's flashy. He's going to get counting stats. He's going to be on a good team, which usually doesn't help you, but, you know, there's the Malcolm Brogdon model. Um yeah, I like the idea of RJ because New York's going to get behind him. The RJ Barrett, they're going to want him to win just because they need some sort of like they need good vibes, <laughs> good yeah. vibes right around New York. Yeah, uh, John Morant, rookie point guards don't really play too well. I've sort of it's Zion's to lose. Zion's going to average twenty and ten on a team that might sniff the playoffs, and the list of big men who've averaged twenty and ten in the last. 10 years is a list of, you know, rookie of the year winners. Yeah. So and you, you're going to read the article that's like Zion, Shaq, David Robinson. These are the guys that average 20%. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm not going to click on the article, but, you know, it'll definitely be there. Yeah, 100%. We won't write it. If you want to if you, if you want to see real fun, interesting uh, commentary on the Deep 2 blog on Medium, give that a read. Please. <laughs> Please, we're desperate. All right. Uh, do you want to do Most Improved? Yeah, this is a really interesting one. It was. Yeah. Do you know that the Clippers <coughs> have four of the last six most improved um, players? Really? Yeah. Who? Uh, Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford. Four of the last six? Yeah. Lou mm. Williams won it twice and so did Crawford. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, most improved or six? Oh, six. Sorry, I got so confused. I'll just yeah. say. <laughs> I can't read, apparently. Anyway, we'll save that for save that fun fact for when we talk about six. I'll bring it up again. All right, cool. Does everyone forget you heard me say that? <laughs> we can delete it, but let's just keep it in. No, nah, keep it in. It's authentic. Um, this is good radio. So I struggled here. Um, do you... See, I was looking at people who are likely to get traded. Is there some sort of value there? Mm. Is it Malcolm Brogdon? Is it John Collins? Is it De'Aaron Fox? Mm. Who have you picked? Karis LeVert. Really? Yeah. I've picked Bam Adebayo. Oh, that's a good pick. Thank you. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. Why, why is Karras going to win? Because it's got to be someone who's going to be on a good team. It's always someone who kind of like is in the ascendancy with their team. It's never like, oh, DeAndre Ayton, maybe he averages 22 and 10 this year, but, the, but Phoenix wins 20 games again. Like mm. that's not happening. So, you know, the Nets are going to be in the playoff race, you know, presumably again, yeah. in the in the hunt for a top four seed. So he's got that tick. He is someone who, I mean, watching him at the start of last year, when it was kind of him and Russell before Russell had exploded into the, you know, the Eastern All-Star, 
I'm watching them and I'm thinking to myself that he's a better player than Russell. Yeah. And when they're running all of their offense through Russell, I'm like, give the ball to Levert every time he gets it, he makes something happen. Mm. Obviously, he got hurt and then Russell took off. So without Russell there, um, he's kind of got a really clearly defined role as the second, probably the second best player on that team after Kyrie. Uh, and as someone who can play the two and the three, there's a lot of opportunity for him on and off the ball. So he can spell Kyrie. He can also play next to Spencer Dimwitty off the, off the ball. He averaged about 13 points and five rebounds last season. If he's bumping that up to closer to 20, sort of 18, 19, and improving his field goal percentage to sort of above 45, he's still a good three-point shooter. There's a lot of scope for, yeah. I'm just thinking of the kind of the, the CJ McCollum mm. most improved year where he was obviously the second banana, but like he's such a good mm. second banana. Yeah, no, I like that one. Uh, I've gone with Bam just because, look, Miami going to be in the hunt for the playoffs, but he... He's going to be – he only started 28 games last season because Hassan Whiteside was there and he's getting paid so much. Now Hassan's gone and he's going to be surrounded by a better ball handler in Jimmy. Um, Goran Dragic is hopefully going to come back healthy. And the like he's he's going to be starting. Um, and the players he's going to be playing alongside in the front court are going to be the seven-foot Justin Bieber, Myers Leonard, and, <laughs> and, and Callio Linick. So all – all the players he's playing with are either like ball handlers and or shooters as well. So he's going to be the only dude in the paint with starters minutes. He's been an efficient shooter and he's last year actually showed a little bit of touch from mid-range. Um, and he's nowhere below league average from anywhere. Obviously, he can't really shoot threes. Yeah. He can't shoot threes at all. But he's nowhere below average from any of his any of his spots where he's shooting. He was, you know, he probed the starting role last season. Like he probably deserved it, but there's obviously other, other factors at play with money. Um, and he's going to be like the only big centre in there for most of the game. He's going to have Jimmy there as a pick and roll partner. Like I said, Goran Dragic is coming back. And also as a defender, like he averaged just under a steal and a block a game. And now he's going to be getting starters minutes. And like if you're running a pick and roll against Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, like that is dangerous for other teams. And I know you're like, probably not doing that. Because that's how dangerous it is. Exactly. Like you probably, and that's that's not that's not is that's not going to be what wins him the most improved player. But he's going to be getting every rebound he can. He's going to be playing off better players. He's going to be getting more minutes. He's going to be next to shooters. And why can't he have like an Andre Drummond season? Like where he puts up like ten and fifteen or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's like he's probably more offensively skilled than Drummond. Yeah. Because he's got a bit of shooting been, touch, yeah. and he's like, like over seventy percent from the three throw line. Yeah. So. I, I could see a situation which he's like 12 or 14 a game mm. with, you know, 10 or 12, 20 or 12 boards and he's already an extremely good defender and he'll have some of those wow players that, you know. Mm. Oh, I love his dunks. Like, I love yeah. his, his oops where he just reaches it. He's got such a big wingspan. There was one today where he blocked it on one end and ran the court and got the dump off and just... That, actually, today's Miami game. Uh, Miami-Atlanta had some really, really good highlights. Like, Tyler Hero starting off like five, yeah, five, five from five the floor. Five. Four yeah. threes. He, yeah. We're not going to bring him up for rookie of the year, just going back a step? No, because... the Donovan season. Yeah, maybe. I, I I feel like with someone like Tyler Hero, though, the, like the, the blueprint's not there. We know what constitutes a rookie of the year winner, and it's either a ball-dominant point guard, so you're looking at... Um, yeah, like Lil, like Lillard, Kyrie, mm. etc. Or you're looking at the big man, so you're looking at like AD, Blake Griffin, who's going to put up 20 and 10 and be great straight away. Um, someone like Hero is going to have to rely on three-point shooting the entire way because mm -hmm. he's at most like 
third or he's probably at best like the fourth string ball handler behind Butler, Winzo and Dragic, mm. which means he's not going to have enough opportunities to create for himself. And over an 82-game season, a rookie's three-point three point shot, like he's not something that's going to be reliable enough for you to actually win the award over Zion fucking Williamson. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I was, I was just asking the question. Yeah, he could be. I mean, he'd definitely be a shout for first team or rookie. Not that that, you know, like, you know obviously like... <laughs> well, you and I could get it on the second team. Yeah, so. I mean, Landry Fields, 2011-12, first team or rookie. So it doesn't mean that much. But um, yeah, I, I could definitely... He's in a good spot. That would actually be a really interesting game to play. Like, can you name the all-rookie team for like... I'm actually going to get this up. <laughs> play like... Um, your friend's dad or all rookie second team two thousand and nine member. What? It's like who like you know, it's like Joe Smith. <laughs> all right, can you tell me um the this is good radio. Can you tell me the all rookie first team sorry, can you tell me the all rookie first team for the twenty sixteen seventeen year? That's the year where Malcolm Brogdon won rookie of the year. So it'd be Brogdon, Sarah Chambaid. Yep. I'm stumped. Uh, so Jamal Murray was on the second team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jalen Brown was on the second team. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Ingram was on the second team. Yeah. And they were all overtaken by Buddy Heald and Willie Hernan Gomez. Willie Hernan Gomez. <laughs> Willie Hernan Gomez made the first team <laughs> over Jamal Murray, Jalen Brown, and Brandon Ingram. Yeah. That's criminal. Yeah. All right, uh, who you got for six man of the year? Six man of the year. Did you know the Clippers have had four of no, the last six? What? I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Uh, I've got Bojan Bogdanovic. Oh, yeah, for Utah. No, no, that's Bogdan. No, Bogdan. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, no, I've got Bogdan. Okay. For that's, the, on yeah, the Kings. That's a good pick. Um, I've got Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, I, I respect that. I respect that quite a bit. <laughs> Why is Bogdan going to win? Because he fits the profile. Of, again, it's all about figuring out what's what, who wins. The The player that wins is always on a playoff team and they're always on a team that has like high-level talent that they are kind of like, mm-hmm. that they play off. Mm-hmm. So examples like Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford on those Clippers teams with um, Chris Paul, John Jay, Blake Griffin. Yeah, like Jamal Crawford on any yeah, team. Jamal yeah, Jamal Crawford on any team. 2012, 13, J.R. Smith with Melo and Amare. Yeah, Ginobili. Yeah, Ginobili. That's the sort of thing. And I am really bullish on the Kings this year, and I think they have the pieces that are necessary to make a, you know, a run at a playoff spot. Uh, and Bogdanovich is going to be a huge part of that, but he's still not going to be... Mm the start like he's got a very clearly defined six-man role and he fits into that kind of gunner off the bench jacking shots he's he's also a creator he's a really good facilitator yeah you know he really is he yeah i think he averaged around three assists a game last season and you know that can be easily be bumped up um by putting him in the right shot he's right right spot so he's a great three-point shooter he's more athletic than you think uh, and he's also just experienced. He's only been in the league for a couple of years, but he came in mature. So I think he's 27. So mm-hmm. he's... he's. It's also of, a contract year for him. So yeah. he's going to want to perform to get a big contract. He's right in that sweet spot. Why do you think Dinwiddie... All, all the exact same reasons you just said, but also cherry picking off your Karis LeVert pick. You know, obviously if you're going to be shooting for a top four seed in the A. So I, I agree with you. If the Kings do make the playoffs, then someone's probably going to win an award, whether that's like coach or 
most improved or something to do with Darren or six man. Um, but it's just safer to go with Spencer Dinwiddie because you know they're going to be making the playoffs. And he may even be the second banana next to Kyrie. Yeah, he might. Like that's, So we actually don't know whether it's going to be Dinwiddie or Karis LeVert because both of them both have the resume and the ability to do it. My... The thing that just like keeps me up at night <laughs> is that at some point in the last like year, like the start of last season, when it was like, oh my god, they've got Levert, Dinwiddie, and Russell. They can't keep all three. We as the Phoenix Suns didn't just say, all right, here you go, take Josh Jackson and a heavily protected first round yeah. pick for Dinwiddie because yeah. he's on. He he makes nine million dollars a year, which is like Peanuts. which is yeah half of what our new point guard <laughs> and he's like definitively, and he can't shoot he's definitively better and what's more he was clearly better at the start of last season and there, his name was in all the trade rumors anyway I'm not saying that I could do James Jones job as the GM of the Phoenix Suns better than he could but you I'm could just, definitely do the job better than he could I'm just saying make something happen mm. Jim come on for old time's sake make something happen um, another another shared here is anyone on the Clippers bench like the Montrose Harrell, um, Lou Williams pick and roll off the bench is going to be like it was pretty much unbeatable in the playoffs and Golden State really struggled to defend it. Yeah. It's going to be the exact same. Lou Williams is the winner of the last two and he's in the exact same position again. Mm-hmm. Like you know. I feel like he because he needs the ball and he's not a good spot up. He's he's actually an average spot up shooter, but he's not. You know he doesn't excel at that. Um, and it's going to be really hard to give him the ball and just tell Paul George and Kawhi just to watch him for a couple of possessions. So I yeah. think he's going to be a lot more marginalised heading into this season. I reckon... I think the coaching staff there knows his value because they've been there with him the entire time that he's been succeeding. And in a situation where, you know, Kawhi's off and you're playing with PG, um, yeah, if PG has a mindset where he's not like, all right, as soon as Kawhi gets off, like, the ball's mine... <laughs> then he can kind of continue being this like platonic form of a 3-and-D wing that he was last year. That's what got him into... Third in MVP voting. Third in MVP voting, first team all NBA, first team all defence, 29 points a game. Not bad. Um, yeah, but I think it's going to be Montrose Harrell if it is going to be one of the Clippers guys because the centre position is so weak. And if you read my opinion on the Deep 2 NBA blog, I thought I think they should be targeting Marcus Gasol, but it is going to be Harrell first pretty much first guy off the bench yeah. um, he's going to be coming in plug and play he can yeah. play alongside the two guys he doesn't need the ball in his hand he's going to absolutely kill it on offensive rebounds can't really defend but that doesn't really matter for yeah but he he, he, he tries no but and I'm saying has, I'm saying the... in terms of six man voting because like yeah. if def- defence actually mattered with six man of the year Andre Iguodala would have another trophy in well, his yeah, bedroom yeah exactly exactly. <laughs> actually fun fact he uh, someone asked him about where his finals MVP trophy is it's not actually in his bedroom it's not even in his house so yeah one day he was just like hanging out with his uncle and his uncle's like oh that's awesome like I love the trophy and he goes oh do you want it like you know it's mainly that I know that I won like I don't really want the actual trophy so the actual trophy is in his uncle's house <laughs> now everyone in the world knows where the trophy is. Yeah, but like, you know, that's that's not a concern. Yeah. And he's always going to be the finals MVP who stopped th- LeBron. The thing that I worry, yeah, he stopped LeBron, but also LeBron averaged 30 points <laughs> a game. Could have been 50. Yeah. Well, clearly, from this tense exchange, we fall on the on opposite sides of oh, the no, LeBron, LeBron MVP. probably should have won that, but... You got to get, like the storyline was just so juicy for Adam yeah. Silver there. You can't you can't tell him not to. Well, yeah. Was David Stern still commissioner and no? It was first? Adam Silver. Yeah, okay. it was Adam Silver. Um, the just to put a ribbon on the sixth man 
I put a ribbon, put a bow on it <laughs> on the six man discussion. I just think it's really difficult for a non ball dominant player to win. It's always someone who comes in and runs a second unit. Mm. And Harold's not going to have the ball in his oh, hand exactly. at all. He might not average 10 points. He might not play enough minutes to average 10 boards, you know. He's a gun, though. He's another player in the same mold as Bam. Like, obviously, Harold's quite a bit smaller than Bam, but he's one of those guys who you think of him as, like, a athletic Kenneth Fareed type who just crushes the boards and rolls to the rim and does these thunderous dunks. But he's actually... A pretty nifty offensive player. He's a really good passer. He's got good touch around the rim. And he's so... He just looks so cool. I just love the long dreads with the blue um, the blue tips. and red tips. Um, I've just looked up the former Sixth Man of the Year award. And the last non-guard to win the award was Lamar Odom in 2011. Mm. Bit more of a shooter rather than a you know, pick and roll sort of guy um, like Harold. And then the before that was 2004 with Antoine Jamison. Same yeah. deal. So, yeah, I think you're pretty safe just picking guards. So pick and choose the guards that we have picked. <laughs> uh, what's next? I think defensive player of the year. So, like, all right, this... This is a big one. This, it's not, actually. Like, no, that, that's how much I wrote there. Yeah. Almost a full page on yeah. Bam. Well, I just got a sneak peek of your coach of the year pick. <laughs> so that's how much I wrote for Bam, and that's how much I wrote for Rudy Gobert. Yeah, because obviously he's, ah. <laughs> you know, he's a front runner. He's uh, the winner. Nah, I've got, uh, like, literally, the first... I'll, I'll read you out my one and only sentence. The best defensive player on the best defensive team in the league. Well, I mean, that's the thing, that their team numbers are going to be through the roof because everyone is good there. Apart from Bogdanovich. Yeah, but Bogdanovich isn't bad, oh, no, though. No, no, yeah. He's not, he's not going to kill you, Yeah, he's not going to yeah. kill you. Everyone's good there defensively, so their defensive numbers are going to be through the roof. And also, it's one of those situations where Gobert is still clearly the best player on the like the best defensive player on the team. So it's like it's like he's the center of it. Yeah, he's my pick as well. He, uh, yeah. So his defensive numbers are like through the roof in terms of expected field goal percentage at the rim and percentage of shots that he alters. He's mm. in the ninety fourth percentile in block percentage, um, and pretty much like best in the league. Uh, among big men in every defensive category, hmm. um, I thought. Yeah, who I thought about. Um, I thought about Kawhi. Yeah, but with PG there, they're kind of going to have to split those, um, like you know, the, the the premier defensive assignments for the wings. I wanted to talk a little bit about someone who was. He might say an all defensive snub. I uh, think we got the same guy. Miles Turner? No, no. From last year. So yeah. Miles Turner didn't make any of the all defensive teams despite averaging 2.7 blocks per game. And mm. he's, uh, he was one of the only big men with a block percentage that rivaled Gobert's last year. And Maxi Kleber. And Maxi Kleber. <laughs> only big man playing significant minutes. Drafted him in the second last round of my fantasy league. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. Um, yeah, Miles Turner is another one who's going to be playing in a really good, a really good defensive, defensive team. They're pretty much. Um, you know, the, the depth at every position there is is quite good. Uh, and there's just a lot of, like, hard-nosed, good defensive players. Um, Turner's going to be... He's going to have the counting stats again if he if he can do anything around that two-and-a-half blocks. Um, so I think he... Also would, also on my fantasy team. Also on your fantasy <laughs> team. Wow, there you go. Guess who's winning blocks? There you go. Well, you actually won't win blocks because I'll win blocks, but don't worry about it. Well, you've got a really good bear, don't you? And Mitchell Robinson. Oh yeah, nah. Shit. <laughs> the well, other I've got, I've got Maxi Kleber. 
He's playing Tommy as a game. Anyway, <laughs> we can talk about this later. We can't talk about this in the middle of this in the middle of this seg. I think Gobert's an easy pick, but uh, Turner's only twenty two, and mm. with some natural progression, you could you're coming right into that age where um, the the premier defensive players of the last fifteen years have kind of come into their own at, at that age, and he's going to be on a good team. So, you haven't mentioned Joel Embiid at all. No, I haven't. <laughs> he's going to be on possibly you know a, a defensive team that's going to rival Utah. To, um, arguably, has more defensive pieces, more versatility on defense, and he alters and scares away the same amount of shots as Gobert. And you're not going to give him a shout. Uh, yeah, it, it's no, it's nothing against <laughs> nothing against JoJo. I mentioned Turner as like a like a mm. dark dark horse, and like with all respect to Embiid, like he doesn't have the same defensive resume that Gobert does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's just yeah, no I reason. Agree. Like Utah has been one of the best defensive teams in the league for the last three to four years. There's no reason. All to think, thanks to yeah. Him. There's yeah. no reason to think that's going to change. Um, and he has you know like a, a really good track record of staying healthy. And the only blemish on his CV is that sometimes deep in the playoffs, uh, when teams go small and try and isolate him in the pick and roll, he doesn't handle it too well. But mm. you're not going to see that in the regular season, and it's a regular season award. So yeah. Oh, uh, coach of the year? Lloyd Pierce, Atlanta. Really? Yeah. How many games are Atlanta winning this year? More than they won last year. They won 29 last year. So, yeah. But actually, their point differential was that of a 24-win team or somewhere around there. So, you know, if you're going from a 24-win expected win-loss, are they going to win more than 29 games? Are they going to outperform? Right, well, <laughs> well, all right, well, answer me this. Are they better than the Knicks? Yeah. Are they better than the Cavs? Yeah. Are they better than the Wizards? Yeah. Are they better than the Hornets? Yeah. Are they better than the Pistons? No. They're not better than the Pistons? No. I reckon they are. That already puts them... We already talked about Tony Snell two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> that already puts them in the, uh, that 9-10 that range. Uh, and in a, like a flattened out east for those, you know, like six through eight playoff spots like the Magic's probably the best of the rest in the East There's well you, be... you still haven't mentioned Chicago yeah well because I think I think Chicago's better okay I think Chicago is better because they're just that extra step along in their development as well, a team Markkanen's in his third year Carter's in you know or fourth maybe fourth year I think I think Markkanen's <laughs> in probably his, know this but yeah I think Markkanen's <laughs> in his fourth year Wendell Carter's going into his no no yeah no I got it wrong Carter's Markkinen, second year yeah Markkanen's third year they've got Levine who's like that established talent already I think they're just that next step yep, in. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, the like I think Atlanta could definitely win 40 games. I'm not saying that I think they okay, will, but yeah, yeah. it's possible. And yeah. if they do, that that's you know, young team that satisfies the um, when Criteria. you win. Yeah, when you yeah. win coach of the year, you either win it for taking a young team that was really bad to being a young team that's now, oh my god, these guys are going to be a problem, or yep. you win it from taking a good team to a great team like last year. Um, with the Bucks, um, or the Steve Kerr, yeah, or the Steve Kerr, yeah, the Steve Kerr Warriors. Okay, yeah. uh, I've got Elvin Gentry for a lot of the same reasons as your Atlanta. Um, you know, they're going to be gunning for the playoffs. They're going to be exciting. They're going to be fun. There's all these young dudes, um, and something that uh, Elvin Gentry has been able to do really well this preseason is obviously Zion is great in transition, and he's just super explosive when he gets to the ring. And what he's done is he's able to create ways where a bit like. This sort of happens with James Harden coming off a pick and roll, but they're doing a lot of dribble handoffs. 
where Zion's coming, he's running downhill, even though it's a half-court set. So you were seeing a lot of his explosive dunks and like that dunk over Damian Jones. Like he's coming off a dribble handoff and like there's just like a wide open rim. So like if he was like Steph, maybe he would pull up, but he's got the full lane just to drive in and do those amazing dunks. And we're seeing a lot of these really acrobatic layups and these like cool finishes where he's up and under. And I think that's just the sort of stuff you're going to have from like an Elvin Gentry team, which we know he's going to be able to run fast. He's going to get shots up. He's going to, you know, maybe find gold in reclamation projects of Lonzo and well, Josh Hart's not really a reclamation, but then like Brandon Ingram. Um, and he's going to have young rookies in Jackson Hayes and Nikhila and Alexander Walker, which are going to be exciting. And I just think like it's going to be an exciting team. And if they can make the playoffs, <laughs> well, you know. That's the thing though, is that they're not going to. Well, let's say. And they might hit that 39-40 barrier. Which, if everything goes well for the Hawks, is what they're going to hit as well. So let's say both teams, Atlanta and New Orleans. I think New Orleans is like, just to be clear, I think New Orleans is like far and away the better team. Yeah. But it's just that breaking into the West is going to be so much harder than for the Hawks. But if they do break into the West, New Orleans, then... It's hard to not give it to Elvin Gentry. If I mean, if they uh, if they do if they if they get the eight seed, I think it is hard not to give it to JJ Redick has never missed the playoffs in his whole entire life. It's true. I hope you know that. Yeah. And now that he's he's in New Orleans, JJ he Redick, doesn't plan on JJ not Redick the could have won a ring if Courtney Lee had have hit that alley play up in the two thousand and nine <laughs> NBA Finals. He also could have won a ring if the Clippers didn't choke against a James Hardenless Rockets. With Josh Smith hitting a couple of threes. Yeah. Was that when Chris Paul just imploded? Yeah. Or was that, was that against the Warriors? Uh, yeah, true. Josh Smith. Oh, my <laughs> Josh God. Josh Smith and Corey Brewer hit a bunch wow. of threes. Wow. Corey Brewer, he of the 51-point game. And Terrence Jones. Yeah. I just think, yeah, if, like, clearly the Thunder are going to fall out of the playoff race, mm-hmm. um, which leaves one spot open for... The Clippers, yeah. sorry, for the Kings, the Lakers. Or Spurs. No, the Spurs, the Spurs, uh, yeah, Spurs yeah, yeah. including yeah, the Spurs yeah, yeah. as like last year's season. Yeah. The Spurs aren't a sure bet to fall out. So if we, the only sure bet to fall out is the Thunder, which means there's three teams, which is the Kings, the Lakers, and the Pelicans, and three and a half, if you want to say the Timberwolves, are all fighting for that one spot. And in terms of a young team, I'm higher on the Kings than I am on the Pelicans. And the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. So it's like you know, something's got to give and it's probably not going to be the team whose best player is 19. Yeah. He's born in 2000. How yeah. crazy is that? It's my brother's I was age. looking at that today. Yeah. Yeah. He's so good. He's <laughs> just so yeah. good. Yeah. Whenever I'm showing him to people, I'm just like, just keep in mind, like he's 19, like he's a teenager. And look yeah. how big his shoulders are. Yeah. Mm. just He looks like an American football defensive end. Yeah, man, I understand that reference completely. Good job. Clap, <laughs> clap. I shouldn't be held back by your <laughs> settings. So. All right, uh, let's get to some bold predictions. Bold predictions. My bold prediction number one, which isn't really bold, and I've been saying it for weeks, months, and you know you don't need me to explain it, but the Utah Jazz are going to win the 2019-20 NBA championship. 
you, I mean, you don't want me to explain why, but they're no, biggest I haven't, heard, I haven't heard this before. <laughs> um, uh, this this will be the last time I say this. Um, they're no, big, they're big, <laughs> no, it won't. No, it won't. Their biggest flaw in the playoffs has been lack of offensive versatility and creators because if it's just Donovan, his young guy is a guard, he's small, you can just lock him down. They've added Mike Conley, who is a supreme creator, um, Supreme they, creator. Added, it's not a good creator. They've added Bo, Boyan Bogdanovich. See how I got that one right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the one time that you get an, a European <laughs> name right. No, I'm just going to rub it right in your nose. Um, and like we've said before, they're the best defense in the league. Rudy Gobert does Rudy Gobert things. I think he's gotten better, and especially after seeing FIBA, he's been able to play against smaller players. It's a very small sample size, but the league's also trending more big. So I think, mm, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just shook my head. I shook my head. I'll I'll get to that with one of my bold predictions. All right. Well, so, I'm yeah. just going to finish. You, Tara, going to win the title. What's your first bold prediction? My first bold prediction is going to be my last bold prediction. I'm just going to bump it up in the order because it's topical. <laughs> Demantis Sabonis is traded from the Pacers by January. Yeah. Where to? I don't know. Is that, is that as bold be... as you're going to get? Well, it's, it's pretty bold. Putting a specific player and a specific date on it. I thought well, that was bold. Uh, so <laughs> the Pacers are going into this season with a starting front court of Sabonis and Turner. Uh, like you just mentioned, there's a few teams who are exploring the possibility of playing, you know, supersized uh, and just try and punish other teams like smaller teams in the paint and on the boards if you're going to go with you know like a if you're going to go with a, with a small ball five we'll bring in two seven footers and you won't be able to handle us i think that works in theory but i think it i don't know that it will work in practice and i think that indiana is going to have a difficult decision to make about whether they want to keep sabonis or turner if they can't keep both they've got goga patadze who they drafted um I think 16th overall in this year's draft. So he's a bit of a canter kind of type. So, he, again, he's not like a supreme complement to these players, but he they've can give got... give you 12 minutes off the bench Yeah, they've got, they've got depth at the fire. They can afford to, you know, uh, trade one of them away. And moreover, they've got depth uh, with people who could potentially be looking at playing the four as well. So they've got guys like TJ Warren and TJ Leaf who are either... Um, three, but a nominal four or like a straight four. So they've got options there. And I'm just not sold on this whole going big thing. They're both really good players. Sabonis could really, really help someone, especially because now teams have like seen how to use him. Because um, when he was on the Thunder, they didn't use him. They just used yeah, him as yeah, a stretch yeah. four, which wasn't his forte. <laughs> but uh, that was played, the weird Russ, yeah. Yeah, he's played really well in the last two years in Indiana. Um, but they pretty much, for the last two years, haven't played these players together. Mm. So Sabonis has played 22 minutes a game because he's not on the floor with Turner, and now they're just being like, oh, anyway, we had some this pretty good reasons now. for not doing this for the last two years, but now we're just going to do it. So my bold prediction is Demantis Sabonis traded from the Pacers by January. Well, Boston Celtics, where you at? Who's playing the five for the Celtics in the playoffs? It could be... Robert Williams. Yeah, Robert Williams, Time Lord. Um, so the the reason why Sabonis wasn't starting is because of one Thaddeus Young. Thaddeus Young is now on Who? the on the on the Chicago Never heard Bulls. Of him. Uh, my bold prediction is that the Bulls are going to make the playoffs this year. Is that as bold as you're going to get? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's not nice to be on the receiving end. <laughs> uh, and yeah. we sort of touched on it a bit, and we talked about it two two weeks ago. So we're you know you and I are super hyped for the twenty twenty two conference finals between Atlanta and Chicago. Oh, it's going to be an absolute killer. Um, I just really like this Chicago team. They've got a lot of sneaky little bit of depth. They've got, um, you know, Thad Young. Uh, it been like a trio of frontcourt players with Wendell Carter and uh, Larry Markkinen. Uh, Zach Levine's going to come out and get your weirdo 25 points a game. Mm. He's also really uh, sort of aggressive to the media in this training camp sort of um, thing in like preseason. He's like, oh, don't want to talk about how I'm bad at defense. Like he's... He's had a enough. bit adversarial, adversarial, He's adversarial. <laughs> <laughs> we got that. Um, I'm really, I'm a big fan of Thomas Sadoransky, as you yeah. know. Uh, Sado. And at worst case, you've got Kobe White, who's an exciting guard off the bench. And whatever you want to do with Chris Dunn, I would say cut him, but that's, or just not pick up his fourth year option. Mm. No, no, we're entering his fourth year. Um, yeah, look, that's. That's, yeah, it's, it's not good, too bold, but like I'm warming it's up. It's a good third one, and the same exercise with the Hawks as before. They're better than the Knicks. They're better than the Cavs. They're better than the Hawks. They're better than the Wizards. I think they'll be better than the Heat. That's already five. They're better than the Hornets, and I think I'll be going for them against Orlando. They're probably. I don't think they're as good as as Orlando. I don't I'll think. Be, yeah, I don't but think I'll be going. Be. For but I think they're probably better than the Pistons, if everything breaks right, which they've, means that they're sitting in the eight seed right now if they're better than those teams so that that spot is up for grabs oh if i was bold i would say that would be you know taking a top four seed but that's stupid that's not yeah, bold. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah fortune favors the stupid <laughs> who's uh what's your third bold prediction your second my second bold prediction is that sacramento kings are going to make the playoffs and De'Aaron fox is, is going to be an all-star Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You talked a little bit about that in yeah. your blog on the so, Deep yeah. 2 NBA blog on Medium. So I wrote a, I wrote a piece for the blog talking about how Darren Fox, uh, basically the the leap that he made from year one to year two and how that was the catalyst for the King's success last year uh, and kind of breaking down who's going to be in the running for the guard spots on the all-star team in the West. Curry, Harden, Lillard are all locks. Um, and then Westbrook is probably a pretty good bet to be, you know, obviously it's all-star, so fan vote uh, and the perception around the league is going to matter. So Westbrook is probably going to be in, which puts there, means that there's most likely one spot left, the utility spot for a guard. Um, and I think that Fox is going to get it. I think that the Kings are going to make that push for the eight seed and Fox, you know, if Fox is averaging something like 20 and 10, he was at 17 and 8 last season and his efficiency was, you know, through the roof. He's such a good player. I think he could be getting the little um, star stitch onto the back of his jersey for All-Star Weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's completely reasonable and completely fair. And I know you and I are both big fans of Sacramento and really high on De'Aaron Fox, which is... It's great. It's great to agree. He's just so good, and I really like agreeing with you. It's really nice. Oh, shout out to Les for you know really talking us into Sacramento. <laughs> I actually really hated the Kings for like the last forever until this last season. I go, oh, they're pretty fun. I just felt bad for them. Yeah, I feel bad for Phoenix. I'd never felt bad for Sacramento. I, I feel bad for Phoenix. As well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my third and final bold prediction is that Bad Bradley Beal gets traded mid-season to the Nuggets on a trade yeah. centered around Malik Beasley and Michael Porter Jr. and, you know, matching salary. There is no oh, there is no Jamal. I am scandalized that you think that 
not only is Jamal Murray not going to be in this trade, but neither is Gary Harris. Well, that could that could be considered a surrounding salary. Oh, that's half the reason. I keep. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it. Fancy. Say it. I, I drafted Gary Harris just literally with my last pick because I'm like he's going to be playing for Washington halfway through the season and he's going to get all the food he can eat. Yeah, well, if he does get traded, Jamal I, the, Murray is not in this trade, and it's going to no, happen. I, I, I think, yeah, I think it makes sense. Like, there's, I think there's no way that the Nuggets would include Jamal Murray in the trade, like we talked about. But there's also no way. Like, Gary Harris has to be in that trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary Harris is like, you, you know. But who's going to be Gary Harris? Like, you know, matching salary, say that. And then Malik Beasley, who's a promising young wing. Uh, Malik Beasley projects maybe as a starter on a good team. Like, maybe. Yeah. And, and, and Michael, Michael Porter, Porter Jr., Jr., who knows? What if Michael Porter Jr. sucks? Well, he hit a step back in preseason. Yeah, he hit a step back in preseason. Oh, let's pay attention. <laughs> oh, my God. My Instagram feed was that jump <laughs> it was, shot it was half actually, a day. There was, honestly, there was actually a little bit too much on my Instagram feed of that jump shot. Yeah, I don't know tanked. who his PR people are, but they're doing a killer job and they Great have the job. favor of everyone. Anyway, so I thought that, well, I still probably think, you know, this is a bold prediction, but I think that if Washington are smart at all, they will wait until next offseason to trade Bradley Beal because everyone's going to be hanging about going, all right, we need to upgrade our team. Uh, what are we going to do? Oh, shit, there's no free agents. Uh, oh, look, Anthony Davis has just re-signed with the Lakers. Well, well, there's literally no one, like, unless you really want to pay X player who's not very good a lot of money. So they're going to say, well, who's available? Bradley Beal's available. Let's trade for that. And you've got a bidding war between all these teams that want to get better. No one said that the Wizards were smart, though, if we've learned anything from this last couple of decades. Yeah. So they're going to rush trade him halfway through the season to the Nuggets, who will field the best offer. I I love that trade, and I do quite. I'm quite partial to the Nuggets and Bradley Beal with Jokic. Oh, oh, I'm getting shivers just thinking about it. Yeah, I'm actually a little bit worried because Jamal Murray hasn't not only hit a three in his last two preseason games. I don't think he's taken one. Oh, has he lost it? <laughs> I don't think he's lost it. But I just think like if you want to be a you know supreme guard in this league, I'm just going to fact check this really quick. But if you want to be a supreme guard in this league, don't. Don't not take threes. I'll tell you what I want to see. Bradley Beal traded to Charlotte for like three unprotected first round picks. That's what I want to see from a Washington perspective. Why? Michael Jordan might do it. Oh. You lose one diminutive scoring guard and you replace him with another. Bradley Beal could be the saviour of the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> Mm. Whilst you fact check, well, no, I'm saying that because the Nuggets played today against your Phoenix Suns. Yeah, and they won. Yeah, man. Well, Surprise! <laughs> that's hey, not breaking any news. Hey, bro, bro. A couple of days ago, we beat the three seed in <laughs> last year's Western Conference playoffs. So don't come at me with any of this. Like, oh, no surprise. You know, talk about a dark horse. <laughs> that, ho- that horse is so dark you it's, can't see it yeah, at night time. Yeah, it's a, it is a black stallion. That's how dark it is. My last bold prediction is that the Philadelphia 76ers are going to finish with the one seed in the Eastern Conference. I thought you were going to finish out with Philadelphia and make the finals. Well, we've seen them. We've seen them on the edge the last two seasons. They've been, you know, one unlucky series and one un- four unlucky bounces away from being in the conference finals, and they match up really, really well with Milwaukee. Toronto's not going to be there this year, especially with El Horford. As we well. saw what they did to the Nets in the playoffs. Obviously, you add Kyrie to this team; it's a bit different. But I, 
have immense faith that in a seven-game series with Josh Richardson and Ben Simmons defending Kyrie Irving, I know who I want to come out on top yeah. of that one. So, yeah, I think the, I think the Sixers are going to finish with the one seed. Well, just before I add on to your point, Jamal Murray hit two or six from three today. Um, <laughs> I think... You know, just this is just me brainstorming, but I think you know whoever comes out of the East this year rests on how healthy and good Victor Oladipo is. You think the pace is well? If you're saying that, um, you know, Philly are better than Milwaukee. Mm. Someone who's the third team that's going to interrupt that? Just not Enos Cantor and um, yeah, Robert Williams. I think it, I will, yeah, I think it probably is the Nets. How are they getting past one of those good defensive teams with two? Yeah, good well, I mean, in guys? terms of in terms of regular in terms of regular season seeding, I think it's the Nets. Mm. But I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't fancy the Pacers' chances against either Milwaukee or Philly in a in a in a playoff series. I think that that would be silly. Yeah, some might say bold. Yeah, bold, <laughs> extremely bold. No, I don't know. Um, so is it a coin flip with Philly in, in the box? Well, I still feel like. Yeah, I think it's probably a coin flip. It's it's going to be close, but I think that's your one-two. And then I feel like the Nets are like a significant level below that and then just a slight, like half a level, like a, a baby level. Half of a baby level below the Nets is where the Celtics and the Pacers are. Yeah. Um, are you prepared to turn on the NBA Finals and see the Clippers and 76ers? How weird would that be? would be... Two of the most moribund franchises <laughs> of the last 15 years. Well, I think that is just a massive win for Sam Hinkie. If Philly can get to the finals, what a win for tanking and what a win for Sam Hinkie. Wouldn't it have been a better win for Sam Hinkie if he was still employed by the Sixers and then he got to win a championship ring rather than being fired and then posthumously rewarded? Yeah, but look, you got to take your wins where you can get them. He's <laughs> clearly not going to get the best case you scenario. Win some, you win some, you lose some, the Sam Hinkie story. Sam Hinkie works in like... Um, money now, doesn't he? he works in money. Like, yeah, he works in like investing or some crap. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised. He's obviously a very intelligent gentleman. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people were saying uh, during the China stuff. It's like, well, if Daryl Morey doesn't want to be a GM, yeah. there's plenty of other jobs outside of basketball for him. Yeah, yeah. I think Simmons was saying he could just go and like work for a baseball team. Or he could just work for the ringer. Yeah, he could just work for the ringer. That would be sweet. Yeah, all... It's, I just want to, you know... For any of you Ringer readers and listeners out there, this whole China thing has been going on with the NBA Daryl Morey. And all you've heard from Bill Simmons is like, Daryl's a really good friend of mine. Mm. You know, me and, and Daryl, we're really good friends. You heard it from Ryan Russillo as well, who's like, Yo, he's a great friend of this whole operation. <laughs> Everyone's talking about it. And I'm like, the one time that I remember them being even remotely close was Morey came on Simmons' podcast one time. and it uh, was, He comes on yearly. It was very adversarial, the last one. It was, Moya was extremely tight-lipped and very curt and there was no warmth or friendship about it. So I want to say, get a fact check on <laughs> Bill Simmons, Daryl Moya, is the friendship real or is uh, I Bill think, Simmons inserting himself? I think it's 100% real because you saw after that whole China fiasco, let's say, um, that it was the ringer who actually broke the news like the next hour that uh, Tillman Fatida... Um, was actually considering firing Daryl Morey. And it's like, well, where would you hear that from? Like if it's from the ringer, who else would hear than Daryl Morey's mate, Bill Simmons? Shea Serrano from the ringer 
Houston Rockets fan. Lives in Houston. Still, like if, if he doesn't, if he doesn't like Bill Simmons, like you're saying, he wouldn't tell a ringer. Employee. No, I'm not saying he doesn't like Bill Simmons. I'm just saying it's very friends. convenient that the coverage of the story and the ringer actually covered it really, really well. I think, uh, yeah, they. I forget who it was. Brian Curtis wrote a really good piece, yeah. and then someone else, maybe Ben Dietrich, wrote another really, really good piece that I thought was absolutely bang on with the take on the whole fiasco, but. Simmons on the podcast, I think in two separate episodes talked about it and yeah, is yeah. take you know at great lengths to say, this is my best though. Well, if you, I know you and I were sort of missed the missed the shot here because we had a guest on last week and we didn't get to talk about the China stuff and I think, um, we both decided that you know everything you hear from us will be from other sources so you know we're we we're not gonna give our opinion, um but. Uh, Nate Duncan had a really good um, had a really good he, his thoughts were I really agreed with his thoughts and liked what he said. Um, his podcast is up freely available as well, and he actually did. So he was very he wasn't towing any lines because mm. he's he's not with ESPN or he's not with uh, SB Nation like the Ringer is. So he sort of just went out there and had his own opinion thoughts and like good on him for that. And a lot of people tweeted at him and said like, look, you know, Nate, I'm really upset that you've done this. You've sort of betrayed me. I'm unfollowed. No, you've betrayed me personally. <laughs> no, but they really didn't agree with him, and they said, "I'm actually unfollowing you. I'm, I'm unfollowing your Patreon, and I'm, I'm unsubscribing." And he replied to most of those people and said, "Good, I don't want you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it's a tough one, and and you know, a credit to the people who've actually had the gumption to give an opinion. Either way, unlike every single ESPN employee, yeah, yeah, did you well, did you listen to the very well worded Zach Lowe and Woj pod? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was, it was very, extremely. It was both extremely polished and extremely late. Yeah, and yeah. it was also said absolutely nothing. And the fact that it was with Woj rather than someone <laughs> who may be half robot. Yeah, who may be half robot rather than someone like. Kevin Arnabitz. Yeah, who's going to say who's, who might mind. actually say what he reckons. Heaven forbid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was obviously extremely... Well executed. Well executed, but also two schmucks like us sitting on the other side of the world listening to this podcast and we're like, oh, that was, you know, didn't that really was say wasted anything. 10 minutes of my life. Yeah, and then you look at, you know, the, the, the characters involved. Like, obviously it makes sense to have Zach because he quite clearly has um, his finger on the pulse of... That both the NBA and social issues in the NBA, but mm. Woj is like the worst person you could possibly <laughs> choose to cast alongside Zach. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, NBA versus China international geopolitical feud. Pretty whack. That's my that's my take. Yeah, well, it'll Pretty be interesting whack. to see where it goes from now. Um, we will have to just stay tuned and hopefully we can talk about it next time. Yeah, well, yeah, hopefully it doesn't like spill over into something fully fucked. But yeah, actually one thing that I know my mate Sean brings up to me that he finds hilarious is I think it was, it was when JJ Redick was with the Clippers mm. um, and they had a random preseason game in China and it was like Clippers net. I don't know who it was, but Clippers versus someone. And then just so what this would have been like 2016, 2015, 2016. Um and what happened is every single time JJ Reddick got the ball off, so he's coming around like a floppy place, he's caught the ball off Blake Griffin. Um, every time he shot the ball, everyone booed him. And then everyone's like, why is everyone booing JJ Reddick? Like, who cares? Like, what's going on? And then they kept booing him, and then people on Twitter are like, why are they booing JJ Reddick? Like, what the hell's going on? And it was five years ago. He was on some podcast, a complete random podcast, like not even like a big one. It was just this random podcast. 
not even his own. <laughs> and um, he had some comment. He goes, oh, you know, like the Chinese government's really oppressive. I'm, I really, I'm really not a fan of what they say. And it was just a comment in passing. Five years later, in a preseason game, and the dude, like, there was nothing else, no uproar about that at all, and they're booing him five years later, every single time he touches the ball. China never forgets. <laughs> so watch out, Daryl Morey. Well, that wraps us up for today for our NBA awards and bold predictions that, contrary to what Sean was saying, I think some of them were quite bold. I think they were, like, at least, like, you know, at least italicised, maybe, if not bold. Um, but, yeah, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week. If you like what you're hearing and you want to help us out, remember to follow us on Spotify or leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also hit us up on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter or get in contact with us at deep2podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your support and continued loyalty to the greatest Australian NBA podcast. Make it a great day. Make it a great day.